Okay. Can you hear me? Okay. I, I can hear you just fine. Okay. All right. All right. Might might have to do some volume adjusting as the as the meeting goes on here, but um, I think they're almost done. It's all good. So it's it's great to talk to you one on one. I actually don't think we ever have before, and we've worked together for about two years. No. Yeah, we haven't. We haven't. But I mean, I I do feel like sometimes those meetings that we are on together can can sometimes turn into a one on one because I feel like we're both very kind of outgoing and not everyone is as excited to talk as we are. I, I like to think I'm not outgoing, but I play it in real life. Like people yes. are convinced that I am, but I'm really not. Yes. Yes. I am the Meryl Streep of pretending I'm an outgoing person. So <laughs> that's pretty spectacular. Well, that's one of the things about working from home. It's like you're sort of. I don't know, like when you work in the office and you're just around people all the time, like it's kind of different. You kind of get like, I guess, more relaxed and comfortable. And when you're on like Zoom calls or Teams calls, you're seeing yourself and you're like seeing them and it feels like performative to a degree. Yeah. 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 You're, or, you're having to put your best foot forward or face forward and, um, you know, just be more cognizant of, of how you come across versus, you know, when we're not on those calls, you can kind of. You know, when you're on mute or and not on video, you can kind of do what you want, say what you want. So. Yeah, I mean, and, and we're sort of presenting like a more cultivated reality than other people do. Like, you know, I guess they're seeing us from about like the collarbone up. You know, we've <laughs> staged behind us what we want to be seen. You know, you blur yeah. out the background. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually uh, I'm wearing a trailblazer hoodie right now in case people oh, nice. wondered about me selling out. Um, <laughs> they, <laughs> no, it's very comfortable. It's really soft and it's cold here today. So. Oh, hey, there you go. Yeah, I got my, uh, I've also sold, well, not really sold out. I mean, I worked for that, but I got my uh, data fam, yeah. data fam shirt on just, just for you. So that's spectacular. Look, I've, I've been trying my entire life to sell out. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's I'm just so proud. This is finally happening for me. <laughs> yes. And, I, and I'm proud for you. I mean, to, to get to witness it is just chef's kiss. Oh, I mean, it's I was trying to sell out before selling out was cool. Now the entire idea of social media is like trying to sell out on the grandest scale possible. Yeah. Like back when I was younger, you know, it's like, oh, man, like they sold out. It's like now, now it's like, oh, yeah, like that will absolutely take money from anyone. It's like, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Give me give me money. I'll, I'll do whatever. Don't, don't quote me on that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the quote of the episode. <laughs> That's the title of the episode. Eric will do anything for a month for a dollar. <laughs> I mean, it's it's you know, uh, you're as long as you're realistic about what you're willing to do for what. I think that's that's the key, yeah. right? Like, it's set as long as those expectations, right? Like, value things appropriately, and then then everyone comes out happy yeah. in the end. I think so. <laughs> so, how long have you been at JLL? You, I've been there two years now. You've been about the, about the same or a little longer. I think a little longer. So I think just almost at my, actually, as of five days ago, my two and a half year mark. Oh, wow. So yeah, yeah. And, and it's, I mean, flown by. Um, I, I still can't believe it's only it, like, it, it's weird, because sometimes I feel like, gosh, I feel like I've been here forever. But then some days I'm like, I just started. Why does everyone expect me to know how to do this? <laughs> Well, I know for me, like, I know a lot about a little. So, like, there's some few areas that I am very, very good at. And then there's other things that I still haven't had to do a project in, you know. So, it's like yeah. I'm sort of peripherally aware, but yeah. none of those have sort of come into my, like, direct line of work. And I think that's really easy to happen at, like, such a large organization, you know. Yeah, 
definitely, I, I feel similarly in that, like I'm a jack of many trades and a master of very few, but, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta go with what you're good at. That's true. And I mean, we have like a really deep bench, both in the America's team and the international team. I mean, we've got so many people that are talented in so many things that it's really great that, you know, there's always someone else to like learn from, uh, whether something they've done before or something they want to present and talk about it. Just because like we're saying, like there's so much stuff that you might just not have had the opportunity to work on before and someone else has. So it's, Mm -hmm. uh, it's great to knowledge share that way. Yeah. I, I love, I mean, those are my favorite meetings to attend the, you know, the, Tableau Quest and Alteryx Adventure and the BI show and share. I just feel like I'm just constantly impressed by the work that this team is able to do and the skill set that everyone has. And it's like, I'm never like wondering who I could reach out to for a certain thing. Like, oh, if I need Alteryx, I'll know how to build an Alteryx app. I can go to this person or how to do this weird thing in Tableau. I can go to this person. I'm never like, oh, I better just submit it out into the ether of the internet and see if I get a response back. It's like, no, somebody on my team for sure knows how to do this. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where like, I'm I'm really glad to know so many people that are so, so like hardworking and skilled because I had a boss like early in my career, like maybe my second or third year. Um, I was in IT at the time before I got into BI. And he was not the best boss. He said two things to me that stuck with me, like one that sort of messed me up for a few years and then one that like, put me on the right path. And like the good thing he said was bad news should travel fast. So if you're struggling with something or if you need help with something like reach out to people and let them know and get help. And then that way you'll learn and you'll, you'll get the thing done. You'll move forward instead of like waiting until you're underwater. And then it's like, it's a crisis. And, (laughs) you know, Uh, and the other thing was, I don't find you interesting and people that aren't interesting don't usually go anywhere. I'm like, Oh, great. is one of the meanest things I've ever heard. I don't know how I would react. I would have like a full blown panic attack if somebody said that to my face. I mean, it, it didn't. It didn't really like set me on any paths to success. Really, like I was just oh. How is that constructive? Or I, I, that's just like a, a mean anecdote that like just did not go through any filters in his head. And he was just like, "Here you go." It's this like how I really feel. Tina, it's like something Tina Fey rejected from the script of Mean Girls. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, no, like that just tears someone down to the foundation. Like, we're just going to like, you know, talk about like, I don't know, acne or something. Yeah. Very Regina George of him to say that to you. I'm sorry that. I mean, just tell me you don't like my face. Like, (laughs) (laughs) it's the same thing, right? (laughs) I don't, I don't like you as a person. Don't take it personally. Yeah. Like it's not, it's not you. It's me not liking you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. It's. I, I like that, you know, there's this sort of spirit of like, hey, you know, if you need to know something, reach out and ask, um, ask for help or ask who knows this or whatever. And like inevitably someone uh, knows or will help you out or whatever. Yes. Yeah. And this I, isn't I really an ad. Like like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it, it, it is. It, it, I just like it makes me feel like comfortable coming to work. Like I, I don't feel like oh, I'm lost and like I just cannot figure this bug out or you know, figure out how to approach the certain viz or whatever it may be. Like, I know there's a million people I could reach out to online right now. And, and, and most of them are within my organization or on my team directly. So, yeah. So let me ask you this, like, what do you think you would be doing if you weren't working in data? If I wasn't working in data at all, um, so we recently had to fill out this um, this questionnaire for this tool that um, that uh, the 
enablement team built about like getting, basically getting to know everyone and, and, and they made a very, very cool dashboard. And my answer of like what I would be doing was leveraging data science to help solve cold cases and having a cool podcast about it, even though I hate the sound of my own voice, full disclosure, I will probably not listen to this episode just because I find my voice to be grating and unpleasant. I think most people feel that way. Um, but that, I guess that's kind of falls into the quote unquote data realm. Um, I love to cook and bake. My dad was a chef and owned a catering business for many years. And so like, I kind of grew up in the kitchen and like that always just like soothes my soul. And I think probably something in, in that capacity. So like cooking and cold case solving. Yes. Yes. I find the dead bodies. I figure out who did it. And then we have, we have some cookies about it. You're like a culinary Jessica Fletcher. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, RIP. I mean, look, my, my wife also loves, she likes baking in particular. She does not like cutting things and she doesn't like sauteing things, which to me are like the two fun parts of cooking. Yeah. Um, but yeah. she loves baking because it's very precise and measured and, and stuff. And like, if you do it right, it works every time, you know? Yeah. Um, but she also loves murders. Like there's, there's a thing with ladies and murders and I, I don't think I'll ever understand it. I, I, I have had many conversations because a lot of my friends are obviously into it too. And in documentaries and true crime. And, and we're sort of seeing this surge, particularly in the podcast world and in, in Netflix documentaries and, and um, HBO, you know, whatever the streaming service may be. But I, I think a lot of it has to do with and not to sound, I guess, macabre or morbid here, but I think Please because do. <laughs> it's October. Let's yeah, my Halloween decorations um, is I think because women are so often the victims of these horrible crimes that like, in a sense, in the back, we're kind of like note taking, right? Like not, not in, in trying to victim blame here because it's nobody's fault, but the murderer, the whoever the assailant was. Um, but I think like a part of it is like, oh, this woman was murdered when she went for a run. I, I'll just make sure that I run during the daytime and I won't listen to my music or too loud and I'll, you know, be aware of my surroundings. And it's like, I think a part of it is like, yeah, morbid curiosity, but also like, ooh, maybe like, maybe I deviate and go on a different path when I go for my next run, or maybe I, you know, don't walk to my car or don't park here because it's in, in a not very well lit area. And it's like things that like, sometimes I get a little, like, these are things that men probably don't have to worry about. But <laughs> I mean, like, I, I worry about like being, if I'm downtown and it's like, like if we go to a play or something and it's late at night, like I'm, I'm like, we're going to end up like the Waynes. Like someone's just going <laughs> to, yes. you know, we're, we're going to get murdered. But I mean, it's, yes. it's something I try to be aware of. Like I try not to put myself in situations where I would be like an easy target. Um, right. But that's not to say that like stuff can't happen anywhere to anyone, but anything you can do to be the less likely target uh, right. seems pragmatic. Uh, like my wife, um, I don't know, there's there's been a couple of really creepy, violent things that have happened in town here in Memphis lately that made the national news. First, there was the billionaire heiress who was abducted and murdered. Oh, and my. then there was uh, within the same week a young guy who had been in prison for a few, like, I guess less than 18 months for like, I guess, attempted murder. He got out and he went on a Facebook killing spree. We're streaming it on Facebook live. He just started popping up at different parts of town and shooting people um, on like a Friday evening. And it was just like, it was like a Joker-esque campaign of terror for like a few hours where everyone's like, who knows, like, what's going on? Like, where's he yeah. going to be next? And then they just show up and shoot somebody else. And it was like, holy crap, it's terrifying. So my wife is not like, 
she's like, yeah, I guess I better do something. But th- th- there's been, you know, I don't know. She's an attorney and there's been people she's known that have either committed violent crimes or been a victim to a violent crime, but she's never like taken a self-defense class or, you know, bought mace. And she's not the kind of person that would own a gun or anything. And I'm like, okay, but yeah, so far you've done nothing. Like you've worried, <laughs> yeah. but like at this point, that's just going to make you anxious when they kill you. So like I, um, I bought her this thing off of Amazon and it clips to your purse and it kind of looks like, you know what I'm talking about? The birdie, the, um, yes, yes. yes. I've, I've heard of the, and I, I've read kind of good and bad reviews. Yeah, like exactly. some of them, yes, they work. They're really loud and bright. And then I've had some people say like, they actually don't get that loud. And, you know, I think any kind of startling thing would definitely take a, a, a some assailant, whoever it may be like out of their, like, oh, like maybe stop for a second enough to like, for you to gather your composure and get the heck out of there. Yeah. Um, yeah, but like mace and, and stuff like that. I mean, I, I, again, full disclosure, I don't have mace on my, I don't know who listens to this podcast. Who's We're like, this knock at my door and be like, oh, Erica doesn't have mace or, or any form of protection. So she is, however, a black belt in four different forms of martial arts. Yes. Yes. And has heat vision. Yes. And I, and I'm not afraid to cause a scene. So that's the, I mean. Yes. Like, honestly, it's, it's the, uh, the willing, I, I mean, that's what the, the main benefit of that is. Like I tried it. It's, it's not what I would call impressively loud, but it's right. better than nothing. And yeah. anything that can sort of break the moment, I'm like, yes. this is better than nothing, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, it, and again, I mean, that is one of those things where it's just like, even if it gives you a second, I mean, that's a second that you now have to kind of get out of there or, or yell or scream or do something. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I I agree. It's it's definitely better than nothing. Like like me, who's just out there, vulnerable, waiting to get attacked. <laughs> I don't know how we got to this, but this was fascinatingly morbid. <laughs> yeah, I, I I yeah, I'm always I, you know into true crime, and so that's that's fine. I can talk about it. I mean, we we could unpack the psychological issues behind this for weeks, but um, yeah, I, I always have been interested in true crime, and um, yeah. We're using Zoom free here. There's a 40 minute max record time. So we're, <laughs> we're, we're, you know, constrained. All right. <laughs> oh, so do you remember how you first got into BI in the first place? Like, is it something you did from the beginning of your career or is it something you transitioned into? No, um, I, it's, I hate when people use the term journey. Cause I just feel like it's been bastardized at this point of like, everything's a journey. It's my fitness journey. It's my keto journey. It's like, no, you're just on a diet. Like, Calm down. Um, but, <laughs> but like for me, I, when I graduated college, I, my friend who's living in New York city, I'm went to born and raised in Michigan and was like, Hey, like I got a job for you. What do you want to work in fashion? And of course, every young girl, you know, yeah, that sounds awesome. Um, it was not awesome. I did what? not enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> very much like the devil wears Prada. I just like people were very mean and not like willing to help. And um, I'm, you know, new out of college and I didn't really know how to, you know, I was working very late hours and it was just kind of crazy. And, um, but thankfully at the time, my roommate, um, who I met off Craigslist also just asking to be attacked, yeah. um, uh, was a technical recruiter for, um, some companies. And one of which was a subsidiary of Microsoft called massive and they did in-game advertising. So I liken it to, have you ever seen the movie grandma's boy? Yeah. So it was very much like that, just me and a bunch of guys like playing video games and, you know, drinking beer and and, and basically running ad campaigns in these video games. And it was my job to 
to track the campaigns and, and figure out like, are we on track to deliver? Are we under delivering? Are we over delivering? Like, you know, working with the team, various teams, um, you know, in, in Europe and wherever else um, to help make sure that our, our clients were happy. And that was kind of my first foray into data because I, I realized that like, it's one thing to appreciate fashion. I was like, I don't want to work in this industry, but like, I really like numbers and I like data and I like that the numbers are the numbers and it tells a story. And from there, it just kind of grew organically. And then into, you know, BI sort of being the the hot topic, um, probably in the last 10 years or so, um, kind of moved into that realm of, of like, I don't want to be, sorry, I'm right by a highway. <laughs> I don't want to necessarily be the person who, who consumes the data. I want to like be the person who helps other people consume it and have it make sense and be insightful and actionable. That's cool. Let me ask you some questions about in-game advertising. So okay. <laughs> it, for people that are unfamiliar with this, so we're talking about like console and PC games, how there are ads yes. that you can rotate through depend like, if it's something like a Grand Theft Auto, there might be like billboards in the game that change or yep. something like that, right? Or exactly. like racing games seem like they would be a great opportunity because they're already festooned with stuff. So how do you track attribution from someone that had eyes on your client's stuff in a game to them then taking an action to purchase that item? Yeah, so so there were different kinds of ads. And like, I think the way we did it is we would measure like A, the size of the ad and B, like what, what is the screen time, like the average screen time that a person when they are on this particular screen, what is that? And does that count as a quote unquote impression? Um, and we actually, we did even have a couple of games or situations where we implemented um, trailers, movie trailers that like you could be need for speed or whatever and you stop and you and you are driving by whatever and then it just the video starts playing and you can sit there and watch it and mm. um so th those obviously like we didn't do a ton of because like if you're playing a game you're not going to be like oh yeah I want to see what the new Spider-Man movie is about um but yeah we the way we kind of did it was um you know figuring out what what was the average screen time that somebody could actually have it be an impression i mean we don't fully expect these people to stop and be like look at this billboard of Coca-Cola it was They've been on the screen for at least three seconds here. That counts as an impression. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I came from the world of nonprofit before I came to JLL. I worked in uh, St. Jude Children's Research Hospital particularly. But um, mm -hmm. most people don't know this, but it's actually two organizations. So there's oh. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, which is the hospital. And then there's ALSEC, St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, which is where I worked, which is actually the, uh, the end of it that does all of the marketing and fundraising and all that stuff. So any of the ads you see and that sort of thing are coming out of ALSEC, which is legally distinct because it's all like a nonprofit and everything. So mm -hmm. um, I worked with the Partner in Hope program, which is responsible for like monthly giving, which at the time I left was raising over like almost like three quarters of a billion dollars a year. Um, and then, um, with stuff that feeds into that, like, uh, DRTV and online programs and stuff like that. And they, they always had issues with attribution with stuff like DRTV and that sort of thing. It's very sticky sometimes to figure out, uh, so people are calling, but are, they're not calling the number that was on the ad, but it happened within a certain amount of time of the ad airing. Is right. that kind of attributable to this? You know, there was, yeah. A lot of halo effect thinking like, oh, if we do this, then this thing is happening, but, but not really actually able to prove. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The proof is, is hard, is harder to, to deliver to apply. I mean, we can say we tracked this ad and it got a million impressions in, in its three week campaign in these specific countries, but you know, can we actually set like this, this user, this user, and this, you know, it's no, it's, we just 
it, it's an educated guess. And, and we did, we would send them to like, if you go online, you can test and see that your ad and make sure that it's there. So we're not lying to you. We're not just like stealing your money, but, um, but give us your money so we can keep doing this because <laughs> exactly. we can keep playing video games for a living. <laughs> and it was good for a while. Yeah, it, it was really, it was honestly one of the funnest jobs I ever had. I mean, you know, to be like in my early twenties and just, yeah, what it was like being on the set of grandma's boy, you're just like playing video games and like, Oh, the day's over. Let's go grab a beer and do it all over again tomorrow. So now you work with me though. And that that's clearly, you know, it's <laughs> <laughs> it, and, and look how far I've come. You know, now I get to be on a podcast with you. So now, this is the mountaintop. Like it's all <laughs> it's not going right to get better than this. I might as well just quit right after we're done here. <laughs> yeah. It's like now you'll have this podcast and you can tell your, you know, your mom or whomever that you're on a podcast and she'll listen to like, oh, Erica, you talked a lot about getting murdered on there. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I always talk a lot about getting murdered. So they would expect I, it. <laughs> I mean, look, I think everyone would be disappointed if there were no talk about getting murdered. Yeah, they'd be everyone like, what have you done some. with my daughter? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like you you talked for like 37 minutes and there was no talk of murder at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling the doctor immediately. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So, okay. So that's an interesting journey um, coming from the world of video games, especially. So did you come straight to JLL from there or were there some steps in between? Many steps, many, many steps. I am, I am a seasoned, I'm not a spring chicken. I'm, I was in New York, this, that was in New York city. And I was there for about two and a half, three years. And then I moved to Dallas, Texas and worked for some other startups, like tech startups. And, um, and then got a job with, Metro PCS corporate, which is now T-Mobile, um, doing some supply chain analytics for them. And then just got to a point where I'm like, I don't want to live in Texas anymore because I'm from the Midwest. So I'm like, no, I'd like four seasons and for some things. Um, but it, it, it is different. It's just a different mindset. And like, I do have friends and family who I still go down there and visit often. Um, but my brother kind of like family related brother and his wife, got pregnant. And I was like, well, I, I want to be the aunt. I want to be the fun aunt. So I moved up to the Chicago area where they are and um, ended up working at an e-commerce um, company for about almost five years. And that was like more BI centric, like, like you're going to build dashboards and you're going to build reports for people, self-service. And then I just kind of got to a point where I was like, I feel like I've gone as far as I can go here. And I, I keep having the same conversation with my boss every, every year at my review, like I want to move up. And it's just like, Oh, we just don't have it right now. And so then I just, it's like, I'll, I'll look around and I'd heard great things about JLL. I had some friends who, who worked here and just loved it. And so put in applied, ended up actually getting interviewed for two positions, but it was right at the beginning of COVID. So like March, 2020. And I like one of them, they're like, we don't have this in our budget anymore. I'm like, great. I'm just going to be stuck at this job until the end of my days. And, um, but the other one, the, the B of A account, which I'm on now, they were like, no, we, we still, it's still available. And would you like to work here? So. Okay. So I'm going to help you out here. So next time someone asks you about Texas, we're going to do a little role-playing here. Okay. So you're, <laughs> you're, you're with like, I don't know, TMZ. And I have just been in a movie with Bradley Cooper and Jack Nicholson. So you're going to ask me what it was like working with Bradley and then working with Jack. Okay. Okay. So, and what was go. it like? What was it like working with Bradley Cooper? Oh man, Bradley's the best. Like on set, his energy is just amazing. And like every night we're going out and like he, he took me like with his family on vacation. It was, it was just amazing. Really amazing guy. What was it like working with Jack Nicholson? 
you know, Jack's Jack's Jack. You know, he's. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Texas is Texas. Texas All right, I'll say Texas. that. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually do. And like, honestly, like I do love it. Like I, I, that is like the one place I consistently like will go back and like at least a couple times a year. Um, and it is cause I have friends and family there, but also like I, there are places I love there that like, I wish we had up here, but we just don't. And, and by being candid, um, I would like to be able to be on a patio drinking a beer in, in the middle of winter, but I can't do that up here. So Texas I mean, I could, I'd be, I'd be insane. But, because yeah. Texas is so big, it has all the places. It so, does. It does. Yeah. yeah. Whatever you're looking for is in Texas and whatever you're not looking for is in Texas. Yes, that, that's true. You can drive all day and still be in Texas. That's how big it is. People people don't realize that, but you can. Yeah, especially like when, when we have international friends and stuff like and they're like, why go all, why, what's with Americans in cars? And I'm like. You know, in my okay, my state in Tennessee is nine hours from tip to tip at 80 miles an hour. Like the next closest actual city of significance in my state is Nashville, and that's a three hour drive away. Yeah. And I tell people, like, oh, I'm like, yeah, that's covering more than half of England. I don't think people realize geographically how big the United States is sometimes, um, but it, it's huge. I mean, it's. Yeah. Again, like you could drive all day and still be in the same state. And like, I think you could say the same about California and, and some of these states are huge. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, and, our, and I will say too, I don't think our public transit is as advanced as other countries, but again, it's because Americans have cars. Oh my gosh. Okay. So have you followed anything with uh, California and how they were trying to get like sort of a bullet train going? I, briefly, yes. Yes. So the amount of graft, like uh, basically corruption and uh, gosh, what just incompetence they've spent, like, I think it's something like $20 billion and have not laid a single piece of track. And it's at the point where professionals have weighed in and said, there's no way that you can build this within the next century. And also, given what you've currently spent and budgeted, you could give $450,000 to every homeless person in the state. Like, that's how much money has been wasted yeah. on it. I, I believe it. I mean, like, I'd like the, the optimist in me is like, no, we need this. We need good public transit. But it's like, I, I, I totally believe that. It's just, it's, it's, it's insane. I mean... There's something. I mean, there, there's there's got to be something. I mean, having having been to New York a few months ago and taken you know the subway, subway works really well in New York, and oh, yeah. uh, it's uh, but not it not doesn't work as well everywhere else. I mean, in Memphis, basically, we just have some buses. Like I, yeah. I think that's all we've got. But then again, we're we're a much smaller market. And I don't know. It's like people also ask us here, like, how come your city closes down when it snows? And I said. You know, it's like because it snows like twice a year. Like how yeah. much money do you want to spend on infrastructure for something that's not worth dealing with? It's easier to just say, hey, everyone take the day off. Yeah. And, and, and really, at the end of the day, more cost efficient to say, take the day off. I remember my I think it was one of my last winters and you know, it was it was the winter that Dallas hosted the Super Bowl. And I, I was living and working in Dallas and um, there it was an ice storm. And for a week, everyone was just like, work remote if you can. Otherwise, like, we'll see in a week when this goes away. And people were just like, I don't get it. And I, as someone who was born and raised in Michigan, I know how to drive in snow. I know what I'm doing on the roads. And I saw, I can't tell you how many accidents I just witnessed firsthand because people, A, don't know how to drive. B, the roads are not 
they would use sand, which I'm sorry, you're not doing anything. You're just making a mess when it melts. Um, and yeah, they just don't have the infrastructure, but like, it's not worth the juice isn't worth the squeeze. It's not worth putting that money into it when it's only going to, it's going to be gone in a few days. So you, you will have made my friend David so happy that you said the juice isn't worth the squeeze. That was a catchphrase. He was desperate to try to catch on in my previous job. <laughs> it's um, a good, I like it. It's a good one. Let's see. Between that and I think we were in a meeting with Jamie once where Jamie mentioned the troll toll for something. <laughs> and um, as an always sunny in Philadelphia fan, yes. that, that made my day. I didn't say anything at the time. Yeah, but uh, I feel like I, I might have been in on that meeting because I think I or at least she said it in a meeting that I've been on. And I, I kind of was like, it's one of those ones where you do wish you were around people to kind of side. I am and be like, did she just reference it's always sunny in a meeting? <laughs> yeah, it's like, did she just mention night like Nightman from Always Sunny? Because I was yes. dying laughing and I was muted. I'm like, oh, this is the best meeting ever. I don't know if she knows that, but like it, <laughs> it made my day. This is these are the moments when the mute bu button comes in in handy. So. <laughs> I mean, look, the, the mute button's good for so many things. Like sometimes you're in a meeting with a client and someone says something wacky. Sometimes, you know, people say something that's either intentionally or unintentionally hilarious. Uh, you know, it's good for all those things. Yes. Yes. Sometimes I wish people had a mute button in IRL, but, you know, here we are. So, yeah. I mean, you know, again, that's the nice that's the nice thing about working remotely. I never worked remotely before I took this position. And had you you hadn't worked remotely either. So my last job was actually hybrid. It was two days um, a week home and then three days in the office. Okay. So it was kind of yes and no. Um, but uh, but you would set your like you would pick the day. Like I think mine was Wednesdays and Fridays. I would be um, home remote and then Monday, Tuesday, Thursday would be in the office. So yeah. that those the expectation, though, it's like. It, so kind of like when I got this job, it was remote regardless of COVID um, because I replaced Jack Cuthbert, who's also up here. But a lot of obviously everyone on my team is kind of all over the country and other countries. So um, I, I, I was somewhat prepared. I But like a lot of people gave me some like, oh, are you going to be able to do that? Are you going to be able to work from home to, like 100 percent? And like you're such an outgoing person. Don't you want to be around people? And it's like, no. I mean, yes, but not like I, I I'm out in, in the world enough, like I'll be fine. So, you know, I, I, I think before COVID and everything, um, I had heard about remote work positions and I'd like, that sounds miserable. I wouldn't want to do that because I sort of enjoyed my team. I enjoyed, you know, getting out of the house and stuff. And then once COVID had actually happened, it was sort of like the great, like, I don't know, uh, it really leveled the playing field for me. It's like, oh, if I can work remote here, I can work remote anywhere. So what does it really make a difference? Like it may, it really lowered the barrier for me to change than before. Yeah. Like I would have been far more nervous about taking a entirely remote work job had I not already been doing it for like seven months. Right. Right. And now yeah, I, I mean, you know, sit it, here it, and it's great. Yeah. I know. <laughs> it's, yeah. I think the people who do say that are people that are just jealous of of our situation. So I just got a really great sound bar and that really makes, you know, it, it cushions the blow of working from home. Also, yeah. <laughs> uh, I have all of the cats. My family keeps bringing home and a, a goldfish that's getting very large called fish, the rock Johnson. Um, oh, great name. Great name. Well, love, love when a fish has a good name. You know, it's uh, the girls had uh, my oldest had gone to the fair and she came home with the single largest stuffed animal I had ever seen a dragon that's about five and a half feet tall, which she named Dave. 
And apparently my daughter's 11. She she won this like on her first go. You had to knock down all these blocks and you had to do it twice in a row. And she did it once. And then like, oh, you get this medium prize or you can go for the big one. She's like, I'm getting that. I'm getting that giant dragon like her style. <laughs> and she did it. And then like, apparently like my wife was there with her, like the, like one of the local tabloids was taking her picture. Like the fair workers were coming up like, oh my gosh, no one has ever won this thing. Are you serious? <laughs> and then like, there's all the poor dudes that are there with dates that are like, you know, like yeah. trying to win a prize. <laughs> <Yeah>, and <laughs> like, showed up by your daughter. <laughs> oh yeah. And then, so she comes home with that and four goldfish and my wife's like, oh, you know, I went to Petco and they said, we need all the, like, we've got like the giant tank now. I'm like, so yep. like four free goldfish translates into like $200 worth of equipment. Mm -hmm. And within that one weekend, first two of the goldfish died. So we're like, oh, we got to replace those. So we went and bought two more goldfish, fish, the rock Johnson being one of them. Then two more died. And then the other Petco fish. So we went through five goldfish in a single oh. weekend and. I had, so, so I got, I had goldfish when I was young. Um, and they, I had one that lived for 11 years and one that lived for 13 years. Oh, don't tell me that. <laughs> I mean, look, by the end, it was just like, I got to put this fish out of their misery. Cause they were just like the one fin and the eyes are just all glazed over. And I was just like, I, I gotta, um, but I did, I think I ended up getting another fish after that when I was in college, uh, that I named Eddie better. Um, it was very into Pearl Jam. Um, and uh, that one lived for a long time too, like I think five or six years. So if, if you if you keep the tank clean, feed them, and you're like, don't give me this advice right now. I mean, they can, they can live for a long time. My wife was reading something. She's like, oh, it says here, like some goldfish can live up to thirty years. I'm like, there is no way on God's green earth I'm going to be taking care of something called fish the rock Johnson when I'm seventy one years old. Absolutely. Yep. Put them uh, in your will just in case. Yep. Oh, it's a nightmare. <laughs> Th thanks for that, Erica. Like here, I was hoping like, no, there's no way. You're like 13 no. years. I'm always here to burst your bubble. Like, yeah. Like congratulations. You're killing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, this has been so fun, by the way. Like just, just being able to talk one-on-one. -on -one. I'm trying to yeah. do more of this with some of my coworkers and stuff because like there's so many awesome people I work with that I don't get to talk to like enough. And honestly, using this as an excuse to do so, I use the same the same excuse to like reach out to some Salesforce people that I never would have talked to otherwise saying, hey, I have a podcast and like people then talk to you. Yeah. So yeah, what I'm no, saying think... is I'm lonely. <laughs> <laughs> so so we're, we're coming full circle in the fact that maybe remote 24-7 is not ideal. But yeah, no, I, I love it. I mean, I love getting to know my co because because it, it is part of it is like you do miss a little bit of that camaraderie and being able to connect and have those conversations in the break room or, you know, or about, you know, what, what shows did you watch over the weekend? Or, you know, it's, it's, you do miss some of that. So this is, no, this has been awesome. It's, it's all coming together for me now. Like I make free swag that I give away. Uh, I'm doing <laughs> like really this podcast should be called like Zach needs a friend. <laughs> and you know what? I would listen to that one every week too. So that might have a slightly larger audience. This is pretty niche already. So <laughs> that, that might be <laughs> maybe more more relatable to people. I don't know. <laughs> well, Erica, this has been great. Uh, before we finish up today, is there anything you wanted to shout out or anything or anyone you want to promote? A president company included. I, cause I, I love, I really enjoyed your iron Viz entry. Um, I, I like, you gave me like a data point. I didn't even know I wanted like that to me is good BI, right? Like I didn't even know 
like factoring in the hot dog buns of the hot dog eating contest, that just game changer. Um, yeah, I, I mean, there's there's a lot of folks in the community um, really loving watching all the Iron Viz entries come through. Um, I think Luke Abraham has a really unique style. Jen Dawes, Adam Green, CJ Mays. I mean, it's just it's it's awesome to see. Like every every time I go into Twitter, I like I see a new thing. I'm like, ah, oh, it's like equal parts inspiring and intimidating from from my perspective. But it's it's awesome. Always, always. And I, I feel that same thing seeing it and, and working with so many of them as well. But um, thanks so much for coming on today. It's been Thank great. Thanks for having me. This has been awesome. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'll see you in more meetings after this. Can't wait. <laughs> All right. Bye, Erica. All right. Bye, Zach.